This is the Beat Generation, a look at music throughout the years that changed our world, from the original beat poets of the 50s through to the musicians of the 60s until today. They've become known for their influence on music that has shaped the soundtrack of our lives, simply known as the Beat Generation. Welcome to the Beat Generation, produced in association with Bad Boys Productions, Townsville's Triple TFM and the Community Broadcast Association of Australia. The show got its name from the 50s writers that inspired so many musicians and each week we'll take a look into music and artists throughout the years that have changed the face of the musical landscape. A full song listing can be found at our Facebook page, forward slash music that changed the world. And a podcast of this show and past episodes can be found on Apple and Spotify, along with some of our other shows, including The Bad Boys and Secret Men's Business. Check out our shows, and if you like what you hear, then make sure you leave a review. So sit back, put your headphones on, crank up the dial and journey with us this week as we take a look at the rise of 80s music for a cause. On our special edition, Everybody Wants to Save the World. I'm Shane Bryan and this is The Beat Generation. Well, the 80s seemed a long way from the 50s beat generation and their ideals of revolution and a new way of living. The ideal world that Kerouac, Ginsberg and Burroughs wrote about seemed to be coming to fruition. The collapse of the Berlin Wall in 1989 led to the end of the Cold War two years later. Yet the continuing war in Iran and Iraq, coupled with the Ethiopian Civil War, presented a polar opposite to the peace that existed everywhere else. During the protest of Vietnam and the Civil Rights Movement, music played an important part in getting the message across. And some would say that artists like Dylan, Seeger and Baez were instrumental in swaying public opinion. Music had become the medium that people looked up to for stability and security. And the 80s generation needed music to step up again even more than ever. Now, as a teenager in the 80s, it was artists like U2, Simple Minds, Sting, Peter Gabriel that massively impacted me, partly because of their musical style, but mainly because of the message that they were promoting. It was the start of a decade that would go down in history as holding one of the biggest concerts ever held all beamed directly into our living rooms for a whole 24 hours straight, Live Aid. Now we'll take a look at Live Aid in the second half of the show, but one band who was front and centre of the big event was U2. And if the 60s had the Beatles, then the 80s belonged to U2. Forming in Dublin in 1976, Bono and the Boys, Adam, Larry and the Edge debuted their first major label album, Boy. Now that happened in 1980, but it was the 1983 album War that featured the song that would become their very first signature tune and introduced us to a decade when music tried to save the world. The song was, of course, Sunday Bloody Sunday, and it became an anthem for so many causes. Describing the violence created by the IRA, this is where we start this week's Beat Generation, U2 and Sunday Bloody Sunday. 1983.
the same time that Bono was introducing us to the band that would become unquestionably the biggest band in the world, another band from Glasgow was making an impact, and they were originally described as the Scottish version of U2, despite the fact that both bands were heading in different directions musically. Simple Minds also had a very powerful stage show, but the main comparison came about because of the Christian symbolism that littered the lyrics. Getting their start from Peter Gabriel, who hired Simple Minds to support his tour, the band quickly hit their momentum when one of their songs was featured in The Breakfast Club. Don't You Forget About Me was the song that gave them the world stage, but it was alive and kicking and Sanctify Yourself from the album Once Upon a Time that really cemented their place. Instead of fighting an external war, this song was asking us to believe in ourselves and to value the life that we've been given. From 1985, Simple Minds with Sanctify Yourself on The Beat Generation. 
Well, in September 1981, the front man for the police, Gordon Sumner, known to us as Sting, of course, started his solo career with a bang. Already an outspoken advocate against the nuclear waste issue, Sting made his solo debut at the Amnesty International Benefit, a secret policeman's ball, singing the Dylan classic, I Shall Be Released. He did that with the help of Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, Phil Collins, Bob Geldof and Midge Ewer. Now, they didn't realise it at the time, but all of the artists present except for Beck were instrumental in the Live Aid concert four years later. The first solo album, Dream of Big Turtles, was released in 1985 and it was a massive departure from his writing style in The Police. It had some very hard-hitting themes like the destruction of the younger generation in World War I through heroin addiction, the UK miners' strike, but it was his song Russians which examined the futility of war, asking why both sides of the Cold War participated and reminding us that Russians love their children too. Ironically, at the time of the release of this song, Mikhail Gorbachev became General Secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, and four years later, he and President Bush declared an end to the Cold War. Here is Sting with Russians on the Beat Generation. 
Well, there was another war being fought in the 80s, one that would have a direct impact on the future work of an artist that started out in the band Genesis. Frontman Peter Gabriel left Genesis to follow a solo career and had a massive hit with Salisbury Hill. Four years later, Gabriel became the champion of the world music scene, helping artists in other countries release their music through his real-world label, and he started up WOMAD, the World Music Festival. His third album contained songs that were overtly anti-political, and two singles in particular became massive standout tracks. The anti-war song Games Without Frontiers and the anti-apartheid song Bicko, about the murdered activist Stephen Bicko. Now this was a turning point for Gabriel, who through his work with Amnesty, co-founded Witness, a non-profit organisation that equips local organisations to use video and the internet to document human rights activity. Now, it's an organization that is now in 80 countries around the world. Gabriel's song, Games Without Frontiers, is the one that we're going to play on the Beat Generation this week, and it looks at political leaders as children in a playground. This song also contains one of the most mistaken lyrics in history. Singing the words, Games Without Frontiers, in French, they're often misheard as she's so popular. Here is Peter Gabriel with Games Without Frontiers on the Beat Generation. 1980. Without tears, 
If looks could kill, they probably will In games without frontiers War without tears Games without frontiers War without tears Well, the threat of war was always a looming presence over the 80s, especially the Cold War. However, a new threat became even scarier than what the war was, and that was AIDS. Whilst not directly referencing the HIV issue, Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood divided the public. The result was complete sensationalism, turning gay culture and sexuality into a commodity. When the album came out, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome, the whole picture became very clear. And it wasn't until the second single, Two Tribes, that we really began to understand what Frankie was actually saying. The album released through Trevor Horn's Zum Tum Tum label was actually a social commentary on the problems facing the world in the 80s and how it was all brought about by the pursuit of nihilistic pleasure, opening with the introduction, The World's My Oyster. Now, Two Tribes, with its air raid siren at the start, massively impacted the music scene and it referenced the Cold War, the Oil War, the fear of nuclear war. But the companion song War is one that we'd actually heard before with The Temptations in the 70s and Edwin Starr a few years later in Motown. Now these two songs not only became Frankie Goes to Hollywood's biggest songs, they also spawned t-shirts. A follow-on from their popular Frankie Say Relax shirts, the new ones proclaimed the polar opposite. Frankie Say War hide yourself. Using the mass media to successfully get their message across, here is Frankie Goes to Hollywood with the 1984 song War on the Beat Generation. 1984. The logic of war seems to be that if a belligerent can fight, he will fight. That leaders will not surrender until surrender is academic. How is a national leader to explain the sacrifice of so much for nothing? Well, relax. I can't explain I don't want to die.
generation Induction, then destruction Who wants to die? Well, that was Frankie Goes to Hollywood with War and we will be back with more after this break and a look at one of the greatest concerts of all time, Live Aid. This is The Beat Generation. Hi, this is Shane. And Andrew from the Bad Boys. If you're after quality, hard-hitting journalism that matches four corners... News that'll keep the government and the people accountable for their actions... And current affairs that's more reliable than, well, a current affair... Then then that's that's not not us. us. Bad Boys Unleashed. Music, entertainment, celebrity interviews... And the only original Bad Boys news that makes 60 Minutes sound like the Muppets. Join me, him and bad girl Angie for the conversation that no one wants to have... But everybody wants to hear. Bad Boys Unleashed, subscribe for free on Apple and Spotify. This is the Beat Generation, a look at music throughout the years that changed our world from the original beat poets of the 50s through to the musicians of the 60s until today. They've become known for their influence on music that has shaped the soundtrack of our lives, simply known as the Beat Generation. Welcome back to The Beat Generation, produced in association with Bad Boys Productions, Townsville's Triple TFM, and the Community Broadcast Association of Australia. I'm Shane Bryan, and thanks for joining us as we continue to take our look at the rise of 80s music for a cause. 
The early 80s social cause band started the ball rolling with the culmination being an event that to this day has remained unrivaled and has gone down in history as the biggest global concert ever. With two main stages in London and Philadelphia and several sub-concerts in seven other countries, Live Aid was broadcast on the 13th of July in 1985 to 150 nations around the world to an estimated audience of 1.9 billion people. So what was the spark? Well, inspired by a BBC news report in 1984 on the plight of the famine-stricken Ethiopia, Bob Geldof and Midjua wrote a song that involved over 40 artists and it started them down a path towards the big event in 1985. That song was Do They Know It's Christmas. 
The idea to actually stage Live Aid came from the lead singer of Culture Club, Boy George. After a concert at Wembley Stadium where Boy George gathered well-known artists together for an encore of Do They Know It's Christmas, George turned to Bob Geldof and said that they should consider organising a benefit concert. Geldof and Midge started putting plans together for a dual-continent concert. The concert became the largest international satellite venture ever attempted at the time, with both the BBC and the ABC working together to present a 24-hour concert, 12 hours in the UK, 16 hours in the US. Now, there were so many standout tracks from artists that were in the original lineup of the Beat Generation, including some of the early beats like Joan Baez and Bob Dylan. But ultimately, it was the event itself that was the standout legacy for the Beat Generation. There's one artist that gave a performance that is considered by most people as the most memorable song of the night, David Bowie, whose song Heroes became an anthem for millions of people who donated money to the event which raised over £150 million. Released in 1977 originally, and written by Bowie and Brian Eno, Heroes is considered by many to be one of Bowie's signature songs. In 1987, Bowie performed the song at the German Reichstag in West Berlin, and it became a catalyst for the eventual fall of the Berlin Wall. Following Bowie's death in 2016, the German government thanked Bowie for helping to bring down the wall, adding, you're now among heroes. Well, here is Bowie with his epic song Heroes on the Beat Generation. 1977. I, I wish you could swim Like dolphins Like dolphins can swim
Another alumni of Live Aid and, of course, a standout performance on the night was Freddie Mercury and Queen. In fact, they were so inspired by the event, millions of people sharing one vision of a better world, that Queen wrote One Vision. Writer and drummer Roger Taylor said that the lyrics were inspired by Martin Luther King. Now, the distorted voice at the start of this song is often misheard as On the City Streets Today. However, it's actually God moves in mysterious ways. The lyrics at the end, however, do say fried chicken. No social commentary, just Freddie's humour. This is One Vision on the Beat Generation. 
There was one notable artist at Live Aid who appeared in the UK and then flew to the US to perform at the Philly concert as well, Phil Collins. Now, Phil Collins was so impacted by the efforts of Live Aid and bringing light to the homelessness situation that in 1989, four years later, Phil Collins released a song that earned him a Grammy for the Record of the Year and a Brit Awards Single Award. The song was Another Day in Paradise from his But Seriously album. Here is Phil Collins on The Beat Generation. 1989.
Of course, the event which started with Do They Know It's Christmas in the UK finished with a song that surpassed its predecessor in popularity and closed the US concert. Across the ditch in the US, following the lead of their UK counterparts, USA for Africa was formed by Harry Belafonte, Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie. They wrote a song that was similar to Do They Know. With Bob Geldof lending a hand to the American crew, We Are The World became the fastest growing American pop single in history and it cemented the next few months as Geldof drew his plans for a concert of epic proportions. On the morning of April 5th, 1985, Good Friday of that year, at 10.25am, over 8,000 radio stations simultaneously broadcast the song around the world. Now we're going to finish the show with the song that defines 80s music for a cause, showing us that everybody wanted to save the world with the song We Are The World. And of course it brings us to the end of the Beat Generation for another week. Make sure you join us next week as we take a look at the rise of hip-hop. I'm Shane Bryan and this has been The Beat Generation. 1985. There comes a time when we heed a certain call When the world must come together as one There are people dying Oh, when it's time to lend a hand to life The greatest gift of all We can't go on Pretending day by day That someone, somewhere will soon make a change We are a part of God's great big family And the truth, you know love is all we Lend a helping hand We are